Hi, I'm Kristen Howerton, and I blog at Rage Against the Minivan. And I'm Paul Martin, and I blog at Paula Sophia. And you're listening to Why Partisan, a political conversation between two friends from different sides of the aisle. I'm a Democrat. And I'm a Republican, and we are both passionate political junkies trying to figure out how to have a civil discourse about politics. From social justice issues to the intersection of race, religion, and public policy, we're delving into all aspects of the political arena. So why am I a Republican? Why is Kristen a Democrat who even identifies herself as a socialist Democrat? Why am I a centrist? These are really important questions because everybody has a political viewpoint. Even some people are apolitical, but nonetheless, we have our political viewpoints. And what we want to do is we want to talk about how we came to believe what we believe. Because the fact is, we've been influenced by parents, by where we grew up, by our socioeconomic status. Today, Kristen and I want to tell you some of our stories, some of the background that got us where we are today. Paul, tell us your life story. Well, tell us how, I won't bore how did you, you. Well, I mean, how did you... It's all it's all relevant. Yeah. You know, how did you land where you landed? Yeah, and I think, I mean... We're all very informed politically by our parents. There are studies that they're overwhelming that most people that are Democrats had Democratic parents Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, There are tons of exceptions, of course, but I came from a staunchly Republican uh, home. Mm and not only a Republican home, but very much uh, a pull yourself up by the bootstraps Mm. kind of home, a a home. This is curious to me because your dad is Mexican Mm -hmm. and typically, I mean, you know, obviously mileage varies, but, you know, typically minorities tend to be Democrats. Right. And I'm not sure. I know his mother was a Democrat. My grandmother was. I'm not sure about his entire family, but he very much, uh, you know, came from a middle to lower middle class Hispanic home here in Orange County. Um, but very soon became an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, was very moved by a tax law that is famous in California, a capital gains tax law by someone named Howard Jarvis, way back, not to go into the nitty gritty, but he is for and remains for the lowest possible taxes. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with this ideology mm-hmm. that, you know, the government just wants to take our money. Mm-hmm. And of course, my dad did really well. So being one who did very mm-hmm. well financially, right. he fell into a bracket of people that just don't want to pay much tax. Interesting. And so I would say he was more, my father was more informed by this idea of um, working hard, no handouts do it on your own, Mm -hmm. you know, no entitlements. Right. And that was not just politically, but it was also in terms of how he raised us kids. Um, And I would say that some of those virtues or whatever you want to call them remain with me today. Well, it's interesting. I mean, so your father is one of those pull yourself up by your bootstrap stories. Mm -hmm. You know, he um, is Mexican in Orange Mm -hmm. County, grew up more poor segregated schools he right, remembers those yeah. right and yet against all odds you know pulled himself out of the you know lower socioeconomic status and became rather wealthy yeah so you know what's tough there is i can see where your dad feels like well everyone should be able to do this absolutely 
Do you think that that's true? No. And I think this is one of the biggest mistakes that people on my side, Republicans who are wealthy, Mm -hmm. uh, they just somehow assume that since they did it, yeah. Uh, that everyone else, every kid in the Hoodlum and Watts and Harlem right. should be able to do the same because they did it. Yeah. And of course, when it comes to wealth, uh, contrary to popular belief that it's all about hard work, it's also about when you were born mm-hmm. and it's also about luck. And yeah. just the read, read biographies of anybody who has written an, you know, an autobiography and they will always say that it wasn't simply that I worked hard, but it's right. also that I met so-and-so at this point, or yeah. you know, there was this widget and I was at the right place at the right time. Right. Um, and so um, I don't believe by any stretch that life is as simple as just pull yourself up by the bootstraps um, to the kids living in the ghettos with no father. My dad had a lot of role models, very hardworking family and had advantages that a lot of kids just simply don't get. Well, I feel like your dad is, you know, kind of the um, the story that Republicans like to tell. I mean, he's probably a guy that they would love to pull out at mm-hmm. every, you know, every rally and say, look, this guy did it, so everyone should be able to do it. And, right. and he's a Republican, and, you know, I mean, that's very interesting. Um, so you grew up pretty religious too, right? Yeah, we I grew up in a very traditional, old-fashioned Roman Catholic family. We went to mass, we went through all the sacraments of baptism and uh, all of those. And um, I would just say it was a very, you know, my mother was an Italian immigrant, is an Italian immigrant. She immigrated here with her family. Um, and so it was a very old-fashioned Latin Catholic home. And yeah. again, it is interesting because many uh, old-fashioned Latin homes were Democrat right. and remain Democrat, but we were one that I think, based largely on my father's success, uh, were Republicans. Now, were your were your parents vocal politically? Were they politically active? Yeah, my father. I, from what I understand, he was active when I was much younger um, in California politics. I think he might have met Ronald Reagan at one point when he was governor. Yeah, he talks about that. Um, but no, it wasn't. He wasn't very politically active. It was more of a worldview. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, I, he told me not too many years ago that he did vote for JFK hmm. uh, in 1960 because JFK was a Catholic. Oh. Um, and so that's interesting. And I think, you know, when I talk about my background, what's interesting, I think, to me, and I know that pisses a lot of my Republican friends off, but my father is a remarkable free thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he cried when President Obama got nominated. I mean, mm. he called me. He was choked up. Yeah. Actually, he wasn't choked up. He was crying. Wow. Saying, I can't believe what's happened to this country in terms of race yeah. when I was a kid. And so he's got this interest. He's voted for JFK. Yeah. Uh, he, He's I, able to be in the gray a little bit. Yeah, he, I remember him praising Clinton for some of his economic policies. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's well-informed uh, in, in unique ways. He's not afraid to think on his own. And I've inherited a yes. lot of that, obviously. Sure, yeah. for sure. So then at what point did you sort of you know, own being a Republican for yourself? Yeah, well, I, my, the first president I voted for, I'm dating myself, uh, was Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. uh, in 1984, um, right out of high school. And it wasn't, I mean, there was no debate. In fact, one of my favorite stories is when I was in third grade, Mr. Voss, this was 1976. Oh. And um Mr. Voss was going to tell us on election day who he was voting for. Uh And so it was election day and he comes out and he puts up this poster and it says Carter Mondale. And I just remember, 
I, I just remember like I was kind of like a third grader in shock. Like, yeah, cannot process. Wait, people actually vote. I like. Yeah. I didn't know that anybody yeah. would vote. So, um, so yeah, I voted for Reagan. Then I voted for George H. W. Bush, and then, then I voted for Bob Dole, and then I I just voted for Republicans. And you and I have a similar stream because I started listening to Rush Limbaugh also. When I was in my early 20s, uh-huh. I had a job in sales. I was in my car all the time. And I was completely indoctrinated by yes. uh, Rush Limbaugh ideology. Um, and so just kind of cruised in that category. I yeah. remember when Bill Clinton won. And I remember thinking, by then I was in my 20s, I remember thinking, oh no, because we had had Bush, um, Reagan, you know, we had had 12 years of Republicans. Um, and then Ford before that, I think, right? Um, no, Carter. Um, and so I just remember thinking, oh, no, this is going to be horrible, like a Democrat one and everything Rush Limbaugh was saying. And I just remember on my own as the years passed thinking, this isn't that bad. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't go to hell. Yeah, like, like everything's OK. Yeah, everything seems yeah. like it's going pretty well. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember on my own thinking this whole idea of you know, the president in the, in the traditional, in the old sense with Donald Trump, I think it's different, but it's, they only have one third of the power. And so I just remember on my own thinking, yeah, Democrats can't be that bad because life seems to be going pretty well. The economy's going right. well, the housing market's going well. Yeah. We haven't been in any major wars, you know, then the Lewinsky thing happened and that was kind of weird. But, um, so what about you? Well, You know, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home and, you know, dad was a pastor. Um, My grandparents were Republicans. And for me, growing up, I was really indoctrinated with this idea that if you're a Christian, you're a Republican. Mm. And I grew up being fed the lines that like Democrats just want to take your money away and give it to everyone else. And Republicans want to let people keep their money. Where Democrats want to give all your money to the government and Republicans want you to keep your money. And Democrats were lazy and didn't want people to work and Republicans were hard workers and kept their money. Like that's just, that's how I was raised. And and also- And and how tied into the uh, evangelical church was that? Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. You know, Republicans were Christians Mm. and they didn't believe in abortion and Mm -hmm. Democrats just wanted to kill babies. Mm -hmm. I mean, really Mm -hmm. like that, you know, that really (laughs) Democrats want to kill babies. They want to let everyone have free birth control, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you're a young fundy Christian, it's like the Democrats seem very sinful. Um, so I grew up like that. I, like you grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh. I mean, my grandfather lived with us growing up. He would walk around the house with the transistor radio in his hand, listening to Rush Limbaugh. That's just, it's what we did. And I think it's funny that we both were drawn to him. Um, even, you know, with our views having changed since then, but just obviously both of us had an early interest in politics mm-hmm. you know even though our views have changed the fact that both of us in our young adulthood how old were you when you started getting interested in politics high school mine came a little bit later yeah mine was more early 20s yeah okay i mean i kind of like dabbled a bit but yeah. it was more when i was 20 21 yeah. 22 i mean i remember i used to love watching politically incorrect mm-hmm. back in the day mm-hmm. 
um, you know, MTV. I mean, any any channel that talked about politics, I was really interested in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I had very strong views, and they were reflective of my parents mm-hmm. for a long time. Right. So then I went off to Bible college, and a very conservative Christian college. And I remember there was one guy on campus that was a Democrat. Mm. And I bet you took it to him. Well, I mean, it was like, we would whisper about like, he's a Democrat, like, you know, like he's a murderer. I mean, it was just like, we couldn't comprehend it. And I can remember, you know, professors taking him to task and Mm. debates and he was totally outnumbered. And I mean, we just had such a bias against that guy. So through college, remained a Republican. Um, And then I think it was really during um, the Clinton administration, who I did not vote for, that I started to see some of the bias against Bill Clinton and some of the hypocrisy. Hmm. And that started to bother me. But I I did vote for both the Bushes. I did. Both times? Both times. All three times? Yeah. Okay. I did. Wow. Um, I know. I mean, so it was probably my late 20s when I really started to shift mm. and feel like, okay, wait a minute. like, And and I think for me, it was my interest in social justice mm-hmm. that really um, started to, you know, I, I started to see behind the veil and go, wait a minute. like, mm-hmm. um, And what, like, what? tip that off because here you are living in Orange County. Were you in Orange County? By no, then? I was in, I well, okay, yeah, I was in Orange County by then. Because this is not yes. a place where people typically convert from being Republicans to... It's certainly not. And you know what's funny? I mean, we were both at the same church for a while, but I mean, at that point, I was at more of a, it's a hipster church. I mean, yeah. it's a, you know, a younger, edgier, you know, more hipster church um, but you know, behind the craft beer and the tattoos, it's still a fundy church, Yeah, totally. you know, I mean, which, which is true everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at, you know, Hillsong or, you know, there's, there's lots of younger, seemingly progressive churches, but when you peel back the clothing, the urban outfitters wardrobe, and you look at the, at the set of beliefs at the end of the day, they're still religious right conservative churches and so and that is just such a topic that i want to talk I about i know right right because really I, I i i do think that yes and i do think that there is a bit of a um uh predicament that many pastors of evangelical churches younger pastors meaning 30s and 40s find themselves in because their tithing base Typically yeah. are people yes. that are around here, certainly Republicans, yeah. certainly older. older. And I think it limits their ability to yeah. be as open about a lot of these yeah. social issues as they, you know, they might like to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And so I was, you know, a 20 something and my husband was on staff at a church and um, at the church. And so I was a pastor's wife. And as I began to articulate my views I mean, it really was like wearing a scarlet letter um, in these circles. And I can remember... And which views? like? Oh, just being pro-Obama. Just okay. that. Just right. being pro-Obama. I mean, I can remember I went to a friend's birthday party and it was all, you know, people from this church. And one woman at the table just started talking about the liberals, like as if, you know, again, they were just like the rapists. And um, I remember sitting there just thinking like, literally this entire table has no clue that there may be one amongst them. Like that is so far out of their worldview that someone sitting at this table could 
call themselves liberal and right. be okay with it. Um, but I can remember, I can remember really clearly a moment where I felt super disillusioned and it was, there was a video going around that proved that Obama was a Muslim oh and it was just, God. it was cuckoo. It was crazy. And one of the elders wives of the church sent this to the entire staff and nobody pushed back. It was like, this was in a completely acceptable thing that the staff like the staff listserv was CC'd on an email telling everybody, go look at this video. You know, we need to pray. Obama is a Muslim. And I remember going like, okay, first of all, first of all, Christians are supposed to be honest. That's like, that ought to be a linchpin, right? <laughs> and we're supposed to have integrity. But second of all, like, it just felt so sheep, you know, like it, it felt so alarmist and so lacking in discernment and and to be honest you know not to try to sound insulting but i feel like it just lacked an intellectual integrity yeah like it just it was lacking in intellectualism to just buy this crazy i mean patched together video um and I just remember going like, man, and, you know, and then of course I try to like talk to people on the side, like, wow, you know, what so-and-so sent, what was up with that? And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I guess he's a Muslim. It's just like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's funny because I think I became disillusioned with the Republican party, mm -hmm. but then I also became disillusioned with the marriage of the Republican party and the Christian church. Mm -hmm. And then I felt very adrift, mm -hmm. very, um, very isolated, very alone. Mm -hmm. And it took me a very long time to find my tribe mm -hmm. of people who are, you know, Christian and yet very left, very, you know, um, progressive in terms of their religious beliefs and who don't think it's weird that you can be a Democrat and a Christian at the same time. Right. One of the things that affected me a lot was in 1997, I was living in London and they had the election. Mm -hmm. Um, and Tony Blair was running and um, against, I believe it was John Major, I don't remember, but uh, I was in a very down the road Christian vineyard, Christian church in Southwest London, a very educated, uh, solid, solidly biblical church. And it was hard to find anybody that was a Christian that wasn't a Democrat. That's so interesting. It just was, but it, yeah. I mean, to them in Europe, well, why yeah. wouldn't, of course you Christians would be liberals because liberals care for the poor, they care for the mm -hmm. needy, they care for the elderly, they care for the outcast, they care for, and so um, that was very strange and very shaping to me mm -hmm. because there were just all these very kind of godly people around me, like really solid Christians. Right. That would say, what, in America they're Republicans? Like, yeah. But they want to take money away from the poor. Like, right. isn't the whole gospel about the poor? And that was interesting. Yeah. And that's where I ultimately landed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's still, I mean, even still, it's its isolating, you know, because Christ, Christian churches tend to really fall on one side or the other. Right. So, I mean, how do you feel like your faith background has sort of landed you at your current political and I think what well, yeah and it's a great question I think this is a common theme that you and thread that you and I have even though you know we are of different parties and I think we have some sig significant differences on fiscal policy perhaps uh, but 
having had an immigrant mother, grew up very poor in post-war Italy, uh, we had a house in Baja, California growing up, which we basically lived at half my life. And there wasn't a time that we drove down there and we drove down there at least once a month. And during the summer, every weekend, where my mother wasn't collecting non-perishable food items, medical supplies, clothing, mm-hmm. and we would just take it to out into the hills to the right. poor, to the poor people. Right. My mom was on the news a few times here on Channel 7 because she mm-hmm. got kids adopted. Yeah. And so... I was informed largely by my mother's modeling of caring for the poor. Yes. Um, And then also I was part of a church movement that had a remarkable, like a remarkable uh, ministry, if you will, to the poor. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went to college a bit later and I studied a lot of ethics and, and started just thinking, you know, I just slowly evolved uh, more on a social level and more on a level of, Wait, if I'm a Christian, as I read the Bible, and I have you know a degree from a very conservative Christian seminary, um, it seems like the whole New Testament is about caring for the poor yeah. and the outcast. Like that seems to be pretty much the whole story yeah. there. Uh-huh. And I just started to slowly, like kind of like you did, but in a different way, see a misalignment yeah. between. Um, churches, all of which have some kind of ministry to the poor, yeah, um, but not in the same vibrant way that many of the progressive churches do, yeah. Um, and so, on a kind of social justice theme, if you yeah. will, you and I, I think, are very much on the same page, especially with respect to civil rights. And again, I had a father who was discriminated against, yeah, uh, in different kinds of ways, indirectly and directly, and a mother who was laughed at because she was couldn't speak English, mm-hmm. was laughed at because she was Italian in the 1950s, which she didn't want to be in this country. Um, and so, um, but I want to, I mean, part of the reason I haven't budged from the Republican Party uh, is because I don't think, and I, I've said this before, I don't think that one party should have the monopoly on caring for the poor. I don't think one party should have the monopoly of treating Muslims like normal American citizens. No, I completely agree. I don't think these should be partisan issues. And I'm, I'm continually baffled that they are. Yeah. yeah. And there are some, sh- you know, glimmers of hope in the Republican Party for yeah. sure. But I just don't want to jump to the to the other side I want to use my voice on the right to say, hey, guys, there are you know there are things that are more important uh, as Christians and as just human beings than lowering our taxes mm-hmm. and, you know, keeping Muslims out of our country. Right. And, you know, closing down abortion clinics. Like, right. there's there's more to it than right. just those issues. Well, and to be fair, you know, while I grew up in, you know, a religious right indoctrination home. My parents, I did observe helping the poor. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, our house had a rotating door for, you know, whatever kid from school was having family issues and needed a place to stay or... So you had that modeled? Yeah, it definitely had that modeled. Um, But the difference is my parents saw that as an individual mandate. They saw that Mm. as, well, we do our part and keep the government out of it. Where for me... Um, I think for me, I see it as, um, you know, it's just not going to work Yeah. because there aren't that many people like that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who don't put their money where their faith is. Um, and because I've traveled and I, you know, we've talked about this before, you and I have both extensively traveled yeah. and spent time in more socialist countries. And, you know, when you look at the model of which a lot of Christians want here, which is Christians take care of the poor. Mm-hmm. 
but then you look at a model of citizens take care of the poor and the Mm -hmm. government takes care of the poor i think the poor is better served in the countries where it's it's taken care of by the government i just do right i mean you know when you see um countries where there is no mandate to care for the mentally ill Mm. for the orphan um they are literally cast aside right and i just think if we give if we get do away with government programs just to expect that private citizens are going to step up. It's not going to happen. And healthcare is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, it, when people did not have insurance, Christians were not covering that for people. Right. People were losing their homes, losing their fortunes, losing their retirement if they got sick. Christians were not stepping it up and saying, oh, well, then I'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. It just, it didn't happen, you know? And that's a major difference that I have. And again, I'm sounding a lot like someone on the left. Um, but you remember that famous John Wesley quote, and I'm not going to, I'm going to botch it. All you Methodists are going to be mad at me, but, you know, do the best you could to all the people you could with all the might you could, whatever yes. it is, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was very, um, this quotation by John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist church was, very influential in the lives of many great social justice leaders, including, I mean, across the board, even Hillary Clinton, it kind of turned her life around, uh, this kind of uh, mantra. But as a Republican and as a Christian, I don't see how we get to say, we want to, you know, Jesus said, care for the poor, but we're not going to advocate through politics too. Right. Jesus said, right. except the like outcast. Either or. Either or. Right. Like, this is a major disagreement I have with Franklin Graham. He's saying, well, I don't think it's the job of the government to uh, you know, implement biblical ideas about, about foreigners. And I'm thinking, wait, why not both? Why can't we yeah. accept refugees into our homes, go take them food, go visit them on our own, and also lobby right. through the government? For sure. Why not both? Why not and both? And so many evangelicals. During the during the election, there was this one major church around here, and the bonehead pastor gave some sermon about how, you know, basically lambasting anybody for being outspoken about the election, saying Jesus or Paul called us to lead a quiet and humble life. Um, um um, yeah. Number one, Paul didn't leave a quiet and humble life, nor did, nor Jesus, did Jesus, nor did the early church fathers, nor did St. Francis of yeah. Assisi, nor did Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and the list yeah. can go from all the way back to Jesus to now. So I just don't think, given that thing, how as Christians we get to say, no, we're just supposed to care for them on our own through our right. churches, but we're not supposed to get involved in speaking up about government issues. Like, what planet? I want to do both. I mean, Jesus really spoke up on political issues. You know, and, you know, speaking of how we landed and Jesus, I mean, I feel like I landed at socialism because of the model that Jesus set forth. I mean, mm-hmm. I I believe that Jesus was a socialist. I take him at his word when he says, share your belongings, when he says, you know, um, if, you know, one of us comes in need, you are serving me. There's, I mean... <laughs> Pretty much all of the red letters in the Bible are a lesson in caring for one another and socialism. And so um, I just, I, I believe that and I don't believe it is limited to Christians in an enclave sharing. I, I, be, I actually believe that it extends to our entire civilization. And the funny thing too about people who want to separate and say, well, we Christians can take care of the poor, but I the government shouldn't. Going. I think I know where you're going. Like, I just, I don't understand why they wouldn't want a more Christian 
based government. Like, well, they do an abortion. Well, I know, right? I mean, these are the people who want to like biblically mandate everything in politics, except for where it relates to the poor. And it's super strange to me because they want to mandate, yeah, abortion. They want to, you know, legislate morality on abortion. They want to legislate morality on access to birth control. They don't want to pay for that for single women, God forbid, because they believe in abstinence. But then when it comes to caring for the poor, it's like, whoa, whoa, keep, you know, keep state and religion yeah, Separate. absolutely. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. To me. And two, a couple of quick points on this. We live in a very affluent area, and what's remarkable about that argument? I mean, I could start going down the list of multi-millionaire evangelical Christians that don't give to the poor. Yeah. I mean, sorry, For sure. But like, it's kind of this ideology that no, the government's not supposed to do it. But I'm not giving any of my stuff right. either. Or you know, they give. You know, like Jesus talked about the rich man that you know gave, but the little the yeah. woman that gave the two cents gave more. And so I think it's a great. It's a great, it's kind of great lip service for Christians mm-hmm. to say, you know, the church is supposed to take care of the poor, but when you really whittle it down, there are very few Christians percentage wise that are taking hits, mm-hmm. major hits. And they're out there. Many they're, of them are out they there. They are out there. Um, but overall, especially in this area, it's lip service. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's so interesting to think about how your faith informs your politics and that, People who ha- share the same faith can be informed in such drastically different ways. Wow. You know? It's Because I can sit here and say, Jesus made me a socialist with full conviction. And someone else could say, Jesus made me a Republican. Yeah. And that's where I, I hate to say it to many of my Republican friends, but there is, um, there is a very strong uh, ideology that a platform, if you will, it's kind of a fancy word. And we do not want this podcast to be fancy. We no. want to keep it, keep it at the street level conversation. But like the Republican Party just basically comes down to a few ideas these days. Pro-life. Uh-huh. Uh, lower taxes. Uh-huh. Um, the end. <laughs> the end. I mean, there isn't really much more big military. You know, they're just... That's kind of it. And and I've had this conversation with dozens of Republican family members and friends. And when I say lower taxes, how low? Mm-hmm. And they kind of, their, their, their lip just goes, their lips going funny because they don't know. Right. They just think we need to have lower taxes. Well, how low? Like, it, what, like do you like the military? Do you like the police? Do you like right. your highways? Do you like, you know, your kids are in these nice public schools in the, right. in the area, but you want to just get rid of taxes? Like, it doesn't make, it's not, it's not rational. No. It's just this... We want to outlaw abortion. You really want abortion to be illegal? Like, I'm pro-life, meaning I don't want to kill things, anything, really. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I'm not really sure that making abortion a crime, and as Donald Trump said during the campaign, punishing women Mm -hmm. is going to be the way Mm -hmm. to reduce uh, abortions. No. I mean, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. I I certainly don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. and, you know, for me, on the issue of paying taxes, I'm okay with paying taxes if it means that all citizens, including myself, are taken care of. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm okay spending a lot on taxes if I know that my children have free education. And I would prefer to spend more on taxes to have health care taken care of. Yeah. Um, and so for me, when I look at, you know, the needs of the people, you know, the needs of a civilization which we're trying to be civilized, right? And I I think this is an interesting point too. To me, when you look at cultures, 
the more civilized a culture, and I don't mean like, you know, that they have more technology or more wealth. I mean that they're more civil to one another. Mm. And that can vary based on socioeconomics or, um, but I think the more civil a country, the more they care for those in need and they care for one another. And mm. so, you know, you can have a tribe in Africa, you know, in Tanzania that doesn't have electricity that's more civilized than we are here because they care for one another to to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to me, being civilized means I'm down with putting money into the pot so that everyone is cared for. And again, I think a lot of Christians would argue you do that individually. But to me, the government is the best avenue for doing that. Mm-hmm. It's the most organized. It's we have a government. That's why we have it. Mm-hmm. It's more organized. It's more, um, you know, it's it's national. It's it's going. It's there to do a better job. Right. I don't think that the church and we have so many different denominations is set up to really do the infrastructure of think about guys like foster youth and child protective services and police <laughs> and you know the church is not equipped to do these things no. and which is why I'm happy as a Christian as a you know a citizen who wants civility to put my money towards the government to provide these services that I don't think the church is equipped to deal with yeah and I I would in so many ways agree and so much of this comes down to this idea of you know like member social contract theory and you know are people innately selfish and greedy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so, you know, are people innately good or, are yeah. you know, and it gets down to these really fun, like political philosophy and things like that. Um, I think where I, as a Republican, differ, number one, when they do the happiness index studies, yes. it's really interesting how it the socialist countries end up on top. They're always um, happier. Yeah, happier. So always. Sweden, Denmark, yeah. Switzerland, yeah. like... Canada is pretty much socialist. And so the idea that a lot of people on the far right have of, they kind of mix up communism with socialism totally. and say like, well, look what happened to Hitler and who wasn't a communist, Cuba. but and yeah, yeah, Cuba and the Russians and look at all the people in Romania. Yeah. Those were dictatorships. And yeah. so the, the, the socialism, I think, as you speak about it is more reminiscent of like Denmark, yeah. which is the happiest place to live on the mm-hmm. planet. The tax rate's like 50%. Yeah. Uh, you can still start a business, yeah. but like people are happier in Denmark than they are here by far. Um, and so I'm not like religiously against the idea of socialism, like many people on the right. It's not like Joe McCarthy or, you know, Satanism and socialism are kind of <laughs> one and the same. But I do believe in my heart that in in the human potential Mm -hmm. and the way i've raised my children generally speaking has been in a way that says look you better get off your butt and work because when you get out in the real world you've got to work yes um and take personal responsibility put oil in your car Mm -hmm. have the tires rotated Mm -hmm. you know go to college um whatever it might be work hard at your job respect Mm -hmm. your bot you know and it's very much based on this ethos of uh you know no one's going to take care of you out there you have to take care of yourself and i think when you extract that to a national level we spend billions of dollars on people who are bilking the system Uh, I'm for welfare for people that need it. Mm -hmm. I'm for food stamps for for people that need it. But I can't start to, I could start to tell you about people I've known in my life that are completely living off the system. Mm -hmm. And that's where as a Republican, 
uh, I think an efficient, smaller government, uh, ideally, and this is very nuanced, and there's so many different issues that could be part of it, but that we're going to be better off when people are working for a company. You know, the amount of bureaucracy and fat and government agencies is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows it's hard to get fired. Um, but at the same time, it's perplexing to me because people in Denmark are really happy. Yeah, but I mean, I'm glad you said that because I was about to say, Paul, you need to explain then how you are Republican. And the smaller government philosophy is definitely Republican. Mm -hmm. And the every man for himself, take care of yourself philosophy is definitely Republican. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that is ultimately where you still sit. It is. It is where I still sit. I'm not as savvy with like fiscal policy on how we pull it off. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come right out and say that I love politics, but I know the devil's in the detail. And so with this tax reform and all of that, I, oh, I have to bring this up. Uh, as a Republican, I'm as sickened, I think, as Bernie Sanders is about wage disparity. Yeah. I don't think our founding fathers ever had any idea yeah. that 1% of 1% of our population would control 90% of the wealth. It's crazy. It's despicable. Yeah. And I don't know how we get out of that. I just, I don't think our founders ever imagined a CEO would be making 450 times, thousand times the amount of, mm -hmm. you know, some lady that has three kids, that he's, mm -hmm. you know, Walmart, right? Right. Um, and so, but that's very much based on my faith. And I'm not exactly sure how, as a government, we, we're becoming, it. we are, we are an oligarchy. We have a billionaire as a president. Yeah. He's filled his cabinet with billionaires or millionaires. Yeah. And so I'm very concerned uh, with the shrinking middle class. And I think Bernie is right on what's happened. It's really hard to live here. Yeah, it is. It is very hard. And I think, you I mean, I will give Republicans credit in saying I generally think most Republicans don't feel comfortable with the wage disparity. And then, you know, the difference in how to solve it is more how you determine whether you're Democrat or Republican, right? right. So none of us like that idea. Right. I mean, even Trump ran on a platform of not liking that idea right. and draining the swamp and all of that. But Republicans have a specific idea for how to solve that income disparity, and Democrats have a different idea. It's kind of that implementation right. that differs. Yeah, and it's very complicated, but I think at the end of the day, the Democrats, and this is a really good point. I mean, Democrats generally believe in, I'm so sorry, all these poor people, look what happened to them, we need to help them out. It's a very compassionate platform, generally speaking. The Republican platform, generally speaking, is more about, hey, man, suck it up. You yeah. know, uh, it's my father would say that. Um, and, you know, well, I did it. Or I have a friend who lived, came from the ghetto and mm -hmm. he sold cars and made a million dollars or whatever. Uh, and so, therefore, everybody should be able to sure. pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And this gets into race, which we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. But I do think that the Republican Party... And, and so many evangelical churches, their, their heads are in the sand with respect to how hard it is for people of color, people in inner cities, people who came from single homes. They just don't have a clue. And so they apply, you know, coming from their ivory tower, living in their suburb in wherever it is, USA, of kind of, well, look, we did it. And so yeah. therefore, all those people in Chicago should just stop fighting and should just simply get a job yep. and go to college. It's yeah. so simplistic. It is very simplistic, yeah. 
All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Hit us up with any comments and questions you have, and we'll try to answer them in our next episode. Be sure to subscribe to Why Partisan on iTunes and check us out on the web at whypartisan.com. A big thanks to Shepard Audio for providing our intro music.